Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Yeah, hi, Neil Young here, uh, Managing Director of Elixir Energy Limited. Very pleased to be talking to you again. It's uh, been probably 10 or 11 months since we did so towards the, the end of last year. And since then, we have been relentlessly um, pursuing our drilling program for gas in Mongolia. We've significantly strengthened our our balance sheets and uh, have a fully funded program for many years to come. In more recent times, we've added a complementary new business, which is another gas, namely, namely hydrogen, in addition to methane. And uh, it, it's, it's been a great year. Our share price has done well. Of course, uh, I'll say the significant upside from here, as is my duty to say. And uh, yeah, I look forward to elaborating upon that in, in this discussion. Neil, good to see you. It has been a while. It was the end of last year. Things have gone well for you. But your narrative has changed, it seems. We were talking methane gas. You're now talking the language mm. of hydrogen gas. And in this green economy, we're hurtling towards that sounds a little bit more exciting is was that a, a conscious decision of yours to change strategies so i think it's an addition to our current strategy rather than a change um we are still very much focused on methane we we currently have uh, three rigs in operation and uh, the, over the course of this year we should we should drill 20 wells in total We've been doing what I have rather tediously called rinse and repeating um, in that that drilling program. That's uh, the essence of unconventional gas. But but the hydrogen element uses the same skills that we have. It takes advantage of the same location. And we therefore think it's complementary, not a a swerve in the road. But you get my point. You know, there are lots of gas stories out there methane gas is you know not not even that exciting compared to some of those gas stories right mm. the market likes this thought of this green energy hydrogen there's some big investments being made in the middle east and elsewhere in the world it is the future it seems it is the focus of the company going to move towards hydrogen you know i, I get the complementary skills but but it's just mm. a better story for the market. Certainly, in terms of if I'm looking at what your company's done in the last uh, few months, the market would seem to agree. I, I think you're right. The market likes it, but I think there's there's time frames here. And now China's got an expectation of increasing methane demand for a number of decades, you know, more so than other countries. And that each uh, you know gigajoule of methane going into China halves the amount of CO2 emissions that come from its current coal use. Um, hydrogen is, is a great story, but it's a 20, 30 year story. Now, obviously we want to get ahead of the curve, but we don't expect to make, make money or, or the ultimate owner of the asset to make money for a, a lengthier period yet. Um, so you know, we, we love the market support, but uh, we, we want to increase optionality rather than you know, commit to a deterministic view of the world. And- right. Okay. So you got the time, timing's everything, and feeding in obviously China. You're on the you know border there. Um, that is where that your future lies. You've been able, and I want to come back. I want to come back to this that part of the discussion. But I've got to talk about a few other things that have happened since we last spoke. So you've raised a heck of a lot of money. Do you want to talk us through the, the, those those raises and the kind of response from the market each time? Yeah. So the, the end of last year, we had some listed options which were due to expire, and so we had an incredible take up in those, nearly you know ninety nine point eight percent or thereabouts. That that brought in eight million dollars, and 
pretty much straight away the market could say, hey, this, this company is fully financed for a few years. It's not come issue. We've got very strong uh, pricing response to that, uh, in addition to, to our ongoing drilling work, et cetera. That then allowed us to undertake a placement in April to sophisticated and institutions, and that raised $10 million. But that was part of a more holistic raise whereby we also opened up an SPP to our you know, loyal shareholder base, and that came in at nearly $17 million. So we, we got quite a bit more support from existing shareholders than we did from the more institutional end, which was a great show of loyalty, hopefully stickier money, and that, that's been our experience to date. And so in total, we, we raised nearly $35 million in, in four or five months, and that, that sets us up. Uh, for for a very long time, particularly given the very low cost nature of drilling, etc., in in Mongolia. Okay, so, so what's happened? Okay, you've raised a lot of money. So we're nearly thirty five million. How much of that is left? Uh, more than thirty just now. Uh, yeah, we, we're we're still doing very well. We've expanded our program, but to say the drilling's so cheap that uh, you know we 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 we're, we're covered for a considerable period. Right. And so, and how many meters have you been? Have you drilled? How many holes? You know, what have you done with the money? So in the course of this year, we, we've drilled about thirty. 14 wells. We aim to drill about 20 in total. We've shot seismic and are currently shooting more seismic, um, many hundreds of kilometers of, of 2D seismic this year. We're, we're designing a more intensive long-term pilot production test for next year. And so part of the drilling we're doing just now is giving us the, the data and uh, we're in the process of flowing uh, fluids to surface um, as part of that data gathering process. So we're, we're getting set up for, for a more capital intensive part next year when if that pilot production is successful, we'll start to move contingent resources into reserves you know, for the first time, and that'll be a significant de-risking signal. Right. Okay. Because it, it's kind of, it kind of seems to me that with a 280 million market cap, uh, it was a long ways from where when we last spoke, these markets mm. got really excited about something. But in terms of the actual work that's been done, it's not a lot. You're going to have to do a lot of backfilling on that valuation. So how quickly are you going to tear through that, the remaining 30 million by the end of next year? Well, we'll still have substantial part of that left at the end of next year. Um, we'll, we'll move from 20 to 30 wells. I mean, to go from 20 say, to 100 wells is just not practical in terms of regulations, environmental permits, and also you know, the enduring reality of COVID, particularly in a developing nation that we've you know, managed well, but it, it's still there. It does impose issues from time to time. And uh, uh, you know, we, it, it would be foolish to accelerate a program beyond the, the, the skill sets and capabilities that we've got. So we are accelerating it dramatically, but we can't go fivefold or something like that. Right. Okay. So you, therefore, given you, what you said about timing around the hydrogen component of this, how much of your current market cap are you attributing to the methane component and how much to the hydrogen component? The, with a slightly sexier story, but you're way early in the process there. So what, what's your view? Yeah, I mean, I, breaking it down into value like that is very, very sort of qualitative. But uh, I'd say just based on the share price appreciation, since we you know more fulsomely spoke about hydrogen, then you'd say, you know, 20, 25% of the market cap is probably you know, resting on, on that strategy uh, um, just now. Really? I'd, I'd have thought more. 
It feels it feels like more. And I say that in the context of what you know about the yeah. methane component and what, how much you've done and how much money you've spent to date, hmm. uh, right? So, but like you say, it's it's going to be a little bit subjective. Uh, but my honest opinion, it feels like the hydrogen point part is what people are getting excited about. So let's talk about those um, shared skill sets between you know mm-hmm. the, that you've got for both both of those strategies so what what is transferable are you going to get need to get new people in to move the hydrogen component or have you got everyone you need here today so as i say the the, the key uh, shared skill sets are engagement with stakeholders and this is for any resource stock you've got to work with national governments you've got to work with regulators you've got to work with environmental people and then critically, you've got to work with local people. Even, you know, we're, this is the lowest population density place in the world, but there's still people there. They have uh, you know, local councils, and et cetera, that, that we engage with through our methane exploration. And hopefully we, you know, we're, we're a good corporate citizen. We've helped out during COVID, et cetera. Uh, and those same skills are absolutely vital to pursue um, green hydrogen, which involves, you know, installing renewable installations, building uh, uh, processing plants, etc. And if you haven't got those uh, you know, stakeholders on side, you're, you're not going ahead. So I think we've demonstrated that we've got you know, good relationships at multiple levels in Mongolia. Now, do we need some additional skills that are you know, particularly pertinent to 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 hydrogen? Yes. Uh, we're engaging with, with those um, additional skill sets, be they you know, engineers or, or, or you know, water consultants or, or whatever. So, but uh, you know, for instance, water consultants, we, we sort of have them already now. They're looking for a different different sort of purpose. But yeah, I, I think they are genuinely complementary. Okay, so so what I'm hearing at the moment is relations in country, some crossover in terms of technical skill sets mm. on the grounds, but you're going to need to get some. People in what? How have you got a plan yet on the on the hydrogen? And, and so, what what is it in terms of how you move things forward? What would we expect to see at the end of twenty twenty two, for instance? So, I, I think you know, long term, I'll work back from. So, I think what we we see is that um, there there's a multi gigawatt scale renewable resources here of enormously high quality. They can produce you know hundreds of thousands or millions of tons of of hydrogen, which can get exported by pipeline. But you're never going to do that first up. What you've got to do is to prove that the concept works. So the initial stage is to build a pilot plant that exports hydrogen, say, by truck to inner Mongolian steel mills um, to demonstrate that the renewable resources that that input into into the electrolyzers are of the high quality that, that we believe that they are. So we would see it's it's gathering resource uh, is measurements for for wind and solar to a bankable level. It's designing the pilot plant. It's engaging with the offtake customers and the equipment suppliers and the financiers who, in 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 this instance, will very much benefit from the interests of the international financial institutions such as the EBRD and the ADB to to preferentially finance energy transition investments. Uh, you know, over fossil fuel investments which isn't, that they won't anymore. But they, they in a country like Mongolia, my view is that they very much will want to support this sort of project. We, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, one with an advisor to the president of, of Mongolia, mm-hmm. uh, also 
another um, young lady who's very impressive, who's dealing with um, the foreign investment component to the government's uh, plans, and a, a gentleman who had raised 25 million on the Mongolian exchange. Do you feel, mm. as well as the support that you are getting through local and federal government, you're going to need to maybe think about raising some money on the Mongolian exchange to get buy-in financially because it's 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 a small exchange, yeah. but it's, it, it it seems that they are supporting it. The government is um, keen to get foreign investment in, and companies like yourself need to you know not only ingratiate yourself but also install yourself into that ecosystem. Is that, is that a consideration? I know you've got money, but is it a consideration? Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, dual listing, as you say, isn't just about you know raising money. It's about engaging stakeholders in that sort of fashion. And I've been in- incredibly impressed by those recent raises that, that you've, you've mentioned. Uh, when such a small stock exchange can raise you know, material amounts of money for various types of ventures. So certainly dual listing like that, um, is to be considered, and, 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 I, and I think in, in the long run, our, our assets might completely you know, list from Australia and be, be uh, say, in the Mongolian and Singapore stock exchanges. I mean, that, that's a very long-term optionality, but, uh, uh, you know, it's cer- certainly feasible. Um, and I think that that's, that's one way to deal with an issue which has increasingly become pregnant, and that is that you know, we're Australian listed, uh, and our business is pointed towards China, and uh, you know the, the cursory reader of a newspaper might indicate some some tension between the two. But uh, you now we think that that's ultimately you know, resolvable through through a number of different mechanisms, of which you know, dual listing and, and uh, it could be one. Well, it's quite interesting. We, you know, looking at the um, some again headlines coming out of out of China. You know, the dictate that um, the energy bodies. Have been told to just go out and secure energy, and that's hmm. uranium. Obviously, um, get, you know your 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 product is is uh, very very viable for them. Um, just next door, are you are you seeing any increase in conversation pressure uh, or just you know diligence operations from China as a result of those sort of you know recent announcements? I mean, I, I'm I'm not directly being approached by Chinese because I, I think it's too early in in the process for that. But one thing I would say is that recent and even very recent events in energy markets will strengthen Chinese desire for security of supply. Um, now they import gas from many different directions, including Russia. Now. Do they want to buy more Russian gas? Well, they probably will, but they wouldn't want to be too beholden to to the Russians, as as current European experience suggests that that would be a prudent move. Um, Do they want to import more gas by boat when tensions are rising with the US? You know, maybe not. But if you're a Chinese buyer, then gas from Mongolia has got no risk. You know, it's immediately proximate. The, you know, the country is, is no sort of you know, geopolitical enemy or anything like that. So we see the, the, the asset itself it has been strengthened in terms of its attractiveness um, over the, you know, due to the geopolitical events and the energy market events um, that we've seen in, in, even in recent weeks. Yeah, I think it, very, very, very interesting times indeed, indeed geopolitically, uh, which could be good news for you guys. Um, let's, let's sort of drill down, if I may, so pardon the pun, um, into mm-hmm. the, the assets. So um, with NomGon, can you just give us an update as to you know the, the drilling, how many rigs, any problems, 
you know, how, how are you approaching and tackling it? Yeah, so this year we, we've drilled uh, 13 wells to date. 11 of them encountered coals in, in, the, in the window that, that we're looking for. Uh, those wells vary from you know, pure exploration types to appraisal ones to one that we're drilling just now, which is delivering us data to allow us to design our full-blown pilot program for next year. We're also shooting seismic as well. Of course, that's less interesting from a market point of view. Um, but what, what these wells do is deliver, uh, you know, brick by brick, um, a resource base which starts off small, but which is demonstrably expandable. At, you know, at low cost. So last year, you know, we'd established one sub-basin called Nomgon. We've added now three new sub-basins that bear coal at depths and, and which are we're proving bear gas at depths as well. Um, so I think that, that that demonstration of being able to build up is what the ultimate energy companies who we want to you know, work with, who have the balance sheet and, and expertise and scale to develop an asset of this potential size, uh, and, that, and that's what they want to see, and, that, and that's what we've been delivering. So, I mean, with, with regards to th those um, discoveries, how, how do you how do you go about um, mapping? You, you, we talk, you talk about doing seismic, and the market's yeah. not interested, right? In, in fact, here's just one for you: Are you a two D guy or a three D guy? Because I've got people who who will argue that you know two D can be just as good as three D. I mean, two D absolutely suits us just now, as and when we get to the development stage, then 3D could play a bigger role. But I think it really depends on the relative costs. Now, if, if you're, say, in Australia or America, then wells are expensive, no more so in Australia. But in Mongolia, wells are cheap. And you might ultimately do a pattern development where you just bang down wells cheaply rather than do an expensive 3D program to then over science where you put all those wells. Now, that, that's a challenge for the, for the full-blown development stage. My, my view at this point is that, that, that expensive 3D is probably not warranted where the drilling costs are so, are so low cost. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Interesting debate. Um, so with, and again, just as a real, real simple, just looking at some of the questions sent in, you've got cold bed methane. You mm -hmm. want to get that. And then presumably you've got coal, it says here. Uh, what do you do with that? I, suppose, I mean, the, the, the coal, to the extent that its license is licensed under minerals law, and so, uh, you know, our extraction of gas is licensed under petroleum law. So there can be, you know, overlying tenements. And, and that's very common, for instance, in, in Australia and, you know, exists with us here. So that if there's coal and someone else has licensed it, that belongs to them. Um, but to be honest, you know, we're looking at coals at 400 metres depth and they're never, ever going to be mined. Um, so, you know, like there's, there's no real conflict there. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so you, you've, you've kind of explained the um, your use of proceeds and, the, and what you're going to be uh, delivering by the end of next year. Mm -hmm. Are you at all restricted by the, I know you're near the border, but are you restricted in any way by the infrastructure? Is the government delivering on that front in terms of roads, power, uh, and anything else that you're going to need? So there's a surprising amount of existing infrastructure where we are for the Gobi Desert, which you know, brings up images of camels and dunes and, and nothing else, whereas what it's got is roads and mines and electricity lines and trucks and, and, and things like that. So, for instance, in our first discovery area, we're looking at a small-scale um, power plant, and that can connect into the existing electrical grid rather than having to, to invest in, 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 in more grid capacity. 
Um, and then, to be honest, the, the roads are reasonable and the, the Gobi Desert is so dry that we can drive around with our rigs you know, pretty much anywhere we want rather than be reliable on roads uh, compared to, say, like Canada or, or Alaska or whatever, which would be you know, hard to access a part of the year because it's wet. Is that going to be a problem for you down the line in terms of you know, raising money and capital? Is it, when, when do you get to start to understand the economics? Okay, so I suppose it's, it's the cost of moving it has driven us to pick this location. So just to give you, you round numbers, um, liquefied natural gas methane uh, sold into East, East Asia typically sells for about $10 an MMBTU or a gigajoule. Now, right now, it's about $30, but that is uh, hopefully an, an aberration from, from the point of view of, of, of the buyer. So of that $10, about $5 is paying for moving it from Australia or America or whatever. So $5 for liquefaction, shipping, degas. Now, liquefying hydrogen, putting it on a boat, won't cost $5, it'll cost $20. And that's the analysis that we commissioned from Rystad Energy. Now, if, however, I produce green hydrogen in Mongolia and I put it in a pipeline and I take it to, to Inner Mongolia in China, that's not going to cost $20, it's going to cost $1. So you can see that the cost competitiveness here is enormous. And then the other factor is, well, what's the cost of reducing green hydrogen before I, I move it? And that's two-thirds dominated by the cost of renewable energy. And Mongolia's got great wind, it's got great solar, and the two complement each other very well. So if, you know, as I see it, Mongolia is going to be absolutely in the top quartile and arguably in the top decile. Um, of cost-competitive supplies of green hydrogen to, to China. And, and being the lowest cost producer in any commodity is, is where everyone aspires to be. It's, it's kind of interesting then, because then the, the dynamic is who captures that margin? Do you share it? Because in, in a way, you're a captive audience. You, you could argue mm-hmm. that China's a captive audience. But if you can't sell it elsewhere economically, then and they know that 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 improves their uh, negotiation skills with you. But, so, do you see that? You see that as a problem coming down the line, or or a nice problem coming down the line? Well, I, I mean, it, it's it's a genuine point, and I think you know it's true of other commodities as well. And I think you, you resolve it by going, okay, customer, I'm ready to FID my project, and I'm not going to you know, and that's going to cost me X billion dollars. Now, I want a contract for 15 years. That, that sets price or, or links that price to an index. I don't go and sign up for one year and then get you know, you know stuffed over the, the year afterwards. So, uh, but I think that sensible pricing discussions would be you know, use principles of Solomon. You know, I, I think it, it is what you do. You split the difference and let you know, both parties should gain in a transaction because if you set it up as win lose, then usually things come back to bite you, even if you've got a contract. So is that is, okay, yeah, I, I buy that, but it sounds like um, they'd be mad not to take everything that you could possibly produce. So um, that, that'll be an interesting conversation when you get to that point. I think, uh, point well made, understood. With regards to the, the technical team, it seems like you're going to have to, you know, get things moving in no shorter, not just because I think that the market expectations mm. have been set, that I, I, maybe the market's got a wee bit ahead of itself. But in terms of you being able to start conversations a little bit earlier with a group 
presumably Chinese, he can fund not just the hydrogen component, but possibly mm. the methane component, because you're going to be talking to energy departments, energy-hungry country and, 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 and uh, bodies in China. So how, how quickly are, do you intend to move things forward on the hydrogen front? I mean, we're, we're, we are doing work just now, which we haven't yet sort of announced to the market with respect to engineering, you know, legal, commercial, etc. aspects. And, and we want to you know, move fairly rapidly on, on those fronts um, and deliver not only you know, progress, but news flow. Uh, you know, we're a traded stock and, and, and people like that. So you know, we, we will see that in the months and you know, in quarters to come. And then to go to, go to your, your other point, what we see even in China with the three national oil companies there are is that they are in their public announcements and their investment commitments now matching the European energy majors in adding significant energy transition and hydrogen components to them. So you know, every junior company aspires to be you know, attractive to, 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 to the big boys. And um, you know, a year or so ago, that was, oh, it's only the European majors who are doing this. What are the rest of the world are you know, sticking to the knitting? But now we're seeing no, no, that's not the case. Even the American majors are changing. And the Chinese NOCs, I think, will see a company or suite of assets that include you know, uh, methane and hydrogen as being uh, you know, you know, worth more than some of the parts. Now, appreciate the update. Uh, we must talk more regularly. It's starting to get quite interesting um, in, in Mongolia. And I'm, I'm now a convert to having spoken with the the. Uh, government's uh, representatives uh, as to what their intentions are as well. So uh, hopefully speak soon. No worries. And we'll have to get you out to Mongolia sometime, but maybe not in the middle of winter. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.